Um, out in the foyer, you see those big gold balloons. Those are our Joshua Kids balloons. It is Joshua Kids Sponsorship sun- our Month this month in March. And Joshua Kids is one of the most um, amazing ministries that I've ever been a part of. I'm just really proud of it. We get to invest in lives and see them transformed. And so if you are interested in being a sponsor, you can grab a card. Um, you actually keep the one with a pretty picture on it, and then you turn in the yellow one. And Armando has some. If you want one right now, you could raise your hand, and he'll get them to you. But it's, it's a really cool ministry. We bring them in once a month, so we get to know these children. We get to know their families, um, and we minister to their mothers, their fathers, anybody that you know really needs us. It's not just a child, but it's their family that we get to minister to. They go to camp with us, and you all are welcome to join us at Joshua Kids Camp. It's fun, Um, but it's a week long where we just pour Jesus into them, morning, noon, and night. Like, it's just super fun. So um, just please help us. It costs a lot of money to go to camp um, with 100 kids. You could imagine the bill on that, but we want to welcome you to help us help us invest in these kids. There's also an app, CNC app, and on the sticker in front, in the back of that chair, you can just scan that QR code so that you will get information. And Jeremiah, it was so cool. There was a notification sent out on the app, and it went straight to a video that I got to hear the announcement that you did. It was so awesome. Like, I wish I was better at tech stuff, right? But that's why we have them. They're, they're just really good at it. So make sure you stay connected. Um, I want to read a scripture verse. So did anybody see the Jesus Revolution movie? Who saw it already? Oh my gosh, you have to go see this movie. Like seriously, it is so powerful. I cried the whole time, the whole entire time. And it's not sad. It's just literally a story of revival. And it's already starting in America. It's already starting around the world. So you can see how God's doing it. So it was cool watching all of it. That's really where our roots are from, because my parents were saved out of that revival. And then 40 or 50 years here in this, 40 years here in this ministry, these campuses were grown out of that, out of that revival. So can you imagine what God's going to do with what he's beginning and starting now? Like, it's generational, generational. And so it's just exciting to see it happen. Like there's a reason that movie came out now. There's a reason Asbury happened, right? There's a reason we've been having these powerful services. Like God is doing something. He's stirring up his people. And in um, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul was talking to the Corinth church. And there was a very specific reason he was talking to them in this passage. It was because they were funding revival. This church was raising money, and they were sending money back to Jerusalem. Why? Because revival was happening in Jerusalem. Because those people were realizing they killed the Messiah. They were realizing they were getting saved one after another and turning to the way, right? They were turning to follow Jesus, which was unprecedented. They were waiting for the Messiah. And then they missed it, killed him. And now revival was happening. They were coming to be realized that they were, they had missed it. And now they needed to follow Jesus. So look at what Paul told the Corinthian church. It's 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. The same one who has put seed into the hands of the sower and brought bread to fill our stomachs will provide and multiply the resources you invest 
and produce an abundant harvest from your righteous actions. You will be made rich in everything that you, your generosity will spill over in every direction. Through us, your generosity is at work inspiring praise and thanksgiving to God. Listen in verse 12. For this mission will do more than bring food and water to fellow believers in need. It will overflow in a cascade of praises and thanksgiving for God. When this mission reaches Jerusalem and meets with the approval of God's people there, they will give glory to God because your confession of the gospel of the anointed one led to the obedient action and your generous sharing with them and with all exhibited your sincere concern. And it's really cool. So if you watch this movie, you'll see that this pastor had a decision to make. Was he going to welcome in these hippies, right? Or was he going to just stay with what they'd always done? And he took a risk. He decided, you know what? Jesus loves these kids with no shoes on, with the long hair, right? And the leather fringe jackets, right? The ones that smelled, the ones that didn't wear shoes, he loved them, and he took a risk, and he said, we're putting our resources into this. And there were people that stood and said, you know what? We see Jesus moving, and we're going to support this move of God. And I believe that that's what we have a privilege to do. We're right in the beginning stages of it. We're right in the beginning of what God's doing, and we will stay faithful no matter what. We will sow into what Jesus is doing. Amen? And it's not about a church. It's not about one ministry. It's about God using us and using our obedience. So let's pray. And you can give if you want to. You know, you can give on push pay. You can give in the envelope, however you want to do it. But let's fund revival. Let's, let's make sure that the move of God is equipped in the earth. Amen? Father, I thank you that we have the privilege. We have the privilege to give into what you are doing today. We don't want to be the one that walks out the door and says, no, I'm not, I'm not being involved in this. It doesn't look like it should in my own eyes. But we will be the one that will be obedient no matter what, even if it rubs our flesh <laughs> like sandpaper. We want your realness on earth. We want a generation to come to Jesus. So no matter what it looks like, God, we will stay faithful. We will stay generous. We will stay focused to the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am ready for a powerful word. Are you? Welcome our Pastor Troy. So good to be here. I heard Jesus was here in a powerful way. It's really good to see you guys. It's a packed house. That's always fun. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the volunteers uh, that help, you know, make the kingdom move uh, in a powerful way, not only on Sunday, but through the week. So thank you for all that you do, how you bless the community, how you serve, how you sacrifice your time, your talent, and your treasure. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here uh, today as part of this fellowship. Um, I want to talk to you today about, I want to talk to you today about covenant. Uh, but before I do that, let me just say this. Man, this is like burning in my spirit. Um, Psalm, I, here's your homework on top of some other homework for later, okay? I want you to read Psalm 18, the whole psalm. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I was screaming down uh, I-95 North the other day, coming home, going about, well, going about the speed limit, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, going about the speed limit. And, uh, and man, the presence of Jesus overwhelmed me and just reminded me. He reminded me that I fight for you. That he said, I am your salvation and your shield. And man, when, when, I, when I heard the Lord say that, I was just, I'm going, I'm, I'm literally, like I'm riding down the highway, around the speed limit, and I got, I got this song in my head, and God's talking, and I'm, I'm, we, I'm crying, I'm weeping, you know? And I was like, everything I could, keep two hands. And a couple of times, I had to throw them both up, you know? I was just like, oh, man, you know? And, and uh, I just want you to read that and know that you need to understand that God fights for you. Man, he fights for you. He fights hell against you. And, and, I, and God took me back all from the beginning of, you know, like as far back as I could remember. And he began to show me all the times he was there fighting for me, man. He began to show me this one time my buddy shot a gun at me and it missed me by four inches. He showed me another time I was going down uh, the highway in the middle of the winter and, and I wasn't in a good place. And the, and the truck began to spin round and round and round. And as I go this way, I'd see a tractor trailer coming at me. And as I go this way again it's still there and, and somehow God just took his hand and moved that truck right over into the median and got me stuck there just to think about it for a while he took me to another time where a man stuck a gun to the back he's like man what kind of what kind of preacher are you man another time this dude stuck a gun in the back of my head he had his finger on a trigger and he's punching the back of my head with it and the whole time I'm thinking this is, this is over this is the end of my life another time I'm in the lake and I'm about to drown I mean God saved my life preserved me but you know why you know why because my mom prayed for me and I want you to know the power of the preservating the preservation uh, of prayers uh, over your life the power that once Jesus is spoken David the psalmist said it in Psalm 18 he said he said the Lord is my salvation he is my shield he is my deliverer and then once you understand that you'll stop worrying you'll stop contending you'll stop striving you'll stop being anxious you'll just understand that God's fighting hell for you man God's pushing back the boundaries of darkness over your life there's nothing he won't do for you. I mean, there's nothing. There's no blessing he won't pour out upon you once you understand that he fights for you. And I just want you to know that. He's fighting for you, your children. One time, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I started praying for my son, Caleb. He lives out in Arizona. And the next day, I, I get a, a, like a text that said, Caleb, with a bunch of pictures, his Jeep's turned over in the middle of a highway. And... And the pictures, and underneath it, it said, uh, he, he didn't have a seatbelt on, but he just got out of the Jeep and walked away. I want you to know the power of the prayers of the righteous, that he will fight for you. He'll take your car as it's tumbling, keep you in the middle of the seat, set you right down and say, get out of there, get out of there. He won't let the enemy, he won't let the enemy put a disease on your kids, man. He's like, he's powerful that way. There's a little boy that we were getting ready to adopt. The, the course gave him to us. But I'm telling you, the prayers over this boy's life, he, he came to us when he was three months old. I immediately fell in love with him. Like, I don't want any more kids. I don't want any more kids. Guys, guys, like, take all my money. 
Man, this little three-year-old boy showed up. I said, man, I'm going to call you Joseph. And I gave him everything. Come to find out, his great-great-grandmother was a matriarch of a charter member of the church in Lorraine. And she prayed for that boy. And that boy was hand-delivered right to my doorstep by the system of Egypt. The system of Egypt will bring you a blessing that looks like the powerful prayers of heaven. I'm telling you. So God fights for you. God fights for you. Take, that ain't got nothing to do with what I'm going to share with you today about covenant. <laughs> but I get up, you know, I do these freedom and wonder tours. I get off the road and I'm like, man, God just, you know, from, from, like from, from the time we left Ohio to the time we got down to Daytona and back, we just, you know, the simple message of the, Jesus, of the message of the gospel, it's, it's not hard. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. You don't have to live in despair. You don't have to live oppressed. You could be set free. You could walk in this world free indeed. This is a simple message. How many have seen the movie Jesus Revolution? Have you seen it? Man, if you haven't seen it, listen to me. I've never in my life felt the presence of the Lord on a movie like that. Never in my life. I thought Christian movies were corny. I wouldn't even go. As a matter of fact, I walked in the theater that night making fun of it. My wife made me go. She bought the ticket. She made me go. Five minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh. I'm convicted. I'm, I'm. At the end of the movie, I literally had an altar call. Took, if you ever see me do this, just know Jesus is in the room. I did this. I had to be alone with the Lord at the end of that movie for about 20 minutes. I sat there, wept uncontrollably under the presence of the Lord, man. Just gave my heart back to Jesus again. It was like, God, I'm sorry. I have complicated things. I have made things what they're not. You, you, the message of the gospel is very simple. Jesus loves you. He died for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to live in despair, pain, rejection, shame, condemnation. You can be set free right now, instantly. Pow, set free. And it's very simple. Just receive Jesus. I don't know why I said that, but anyway, uh, go to Jeremiah, go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 30, 31, 31. I want to talk to you today about covenant, 31, let's read, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, this is what uh, Jeremiah says uh, way before it happens, he says this, he said, uh, the days are coming, and I want, to, I want you to know, today's the day, Jeremiah said it, Long time ago. But I'm telling you, today is the day. When I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. I love this part. They shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence in this house. Thank you, Jesus, that you've come to set free, deliver, bring joy. God, we, we love you. Speak to our hearts today. Renew our, our minds today. 
bring clarity. We rebuke oppression, doubt. We thank you, God. We're open to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. So as I, as I get started, I, I want to just say, and I want you to hear me, never, never surrender your covenant for a contract. Covenants are, are, are defined as this. A, a covenant is a sworn agreement by oath with the cutting until blood is spilled. You and I are covenant people. You are not a contracted people. You are a covenant people. Covenants, so let me just bring real, simplify that. So a covenant is, it's a sworn oath. So a covenant is God's word. Covenant is the word and the blood. You have a covenant with God. Covenants don't require. You got to wait. Don't disconnect when I say this, okay? Because I'm going to clean that up later. But all you theologians in the house, just, just stay with me, all right? Covenants do not require your agreement. You, once a covenant, once a covenant is cut, there's no undoing the covenant. This is what the Bible says. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Meaning, once God cuts covenant with you, he's not ever changing his mind. Contracts, I, I know, I know, that makes some uncomfortable. Because you're, you're looking at me and you're wondering, so are you suggesting that once I, give, once I pray a prayer, I'm eternally secure? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here in a minute what I mean by that. But what you need to understand is the, the covenant, the power of covenant is so strong, it will overwhelm your feelings, your opinions, your shortcomings, that once God, if God cuts covenant with you, he's not giving up. He's sworn it by his word, and he's sworn it by his blood. How many remember? I almost said member. You guys know what member is, right? The distant cousin of remember. How many remember? Any uh, Gen Xers in the house? Yeah, some in here. Now, Gen Xers, we used to do something back in the day. We had a good friend. We would make friends. And what we would do is we'd go to our clubhouse. We built forts back in the day. Built forts in the in the backyard in the woods, and then we'd get our boys together, and we had one, one of our friends, 
And we were so tight that we would go in that clubhouse and we would take an old rusty kitchen knife <laughs> and, and he would cut his and I would cut mine and we would say, we are blood brothers. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The new generation is like, that's disgusting. What in the heck is wrong with you, bro? There are diseases out there. Like, have you not heard? Like, like I see you making that face, but hey, you, you did it. You did it. You made a co- We cut covenant with one another. It's interesting that the word covenant in the Old Testament means to cut. It means to cut. So, so this, in this, this practice of covenant is as old as man. And it symbolizes what, when we did it, we didn't know. We didn't know what we was doing. We just thought this is the most powerful way we can communicate that, man, like, like we're there forever. I got you forever because we spilled blood and we let the blood mingle together. And once we do that, we cut a covenant that says nothing will come between me or you. That's what God did with you. And we didn't know the power of what we were doing back then. We was just doing it because we thought blood's the most precious thing this earth has. And when we spill the blood, we communicate the, the, the sacredness of the relationship. When you're married, same situation happens. Blood is spilled. Your covenant is, is consummated. It, it represents the, the most powerful, sacred thought or expression the earth has to communicate what Jesus would do for you and I when he went to the cross, before the cross, when, when, they, when they whipped him and stretched his, and, and stripped him of his skin and he was bleeding and the blood was spilled. The most powerful communication of covenant. So a covenant, a covenant, once it's, once it's cut, does not need your approval. You can't, you can't wash the blood off of you. You can't, you can't get rid of a covenant. Now, a contract, on the other hand, I got two, I got two pieces of paper here. One represents a covenant of marriage. And the other represents a contract between, well, this one is, this is a church on the north coast, and I think it's, the, I don't know, something, we were going to do something. <laughs> we, the Aviator Event Center and Pub. I don't know. I, I have no idea. At some point, maybe it was for sale. I don't know. But we entered into a contract. A covenant is God's word and his blood. A contract, on the other hand, a contract requires uh, two parties to reciprocate uh, and exchange monetary value. So... Uh, contracts are different. Now, contracts, when you enter into a contract, if you don't fulfill the obligation of your side of the contract, the other side is free to walk away. 
covenant says if you don't fulfill the obligation of the covenant, doesn't matter. I'm never leaving. So you can see why it would be confusing for kingdom people. Who are we? We're covenant people. Here you can see why it would be confusing when covenant people start treating their relationships like contracts. Very confusing when we start treating one another in covenant relationship like, like we're in a contract. And I've heard people say that what Jesus did on the cross, I want you never to say, I think I've even said it. it. Don't ever say that Jesus has a contract with you. He does not have a contract with you. Because it doesn't matter if you walk away tomorrow. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter if you fail the terms of the covenant. It, he's faithful always. Even when you're not faithful, he can't help but be faithful. Now, if I was the devil, if I was the devil, I know what I would do. I would try to convince covenant people to exchange their covenant for a contract. I would try to get them do better, pray more, live holier. I would do my best. Why would I do that? Because if I can get them to surrender their covenant, they're still going to go to heaven, but they're going to live through hell. Because there's nothing he can do to undo the power of the blood. I mean, the power of the blood is so strong. When he, when, he, when he yanked Jesus out of that grave, the Bible says the same, the same spirit that yanked him out, yanks you out of yours. On the day you die, it's going to yank you right out of this place. And to be absent from here is going to be present there. You could, like, there's not, but if I was the devil. You know, the devil is a liar. He's the father of, he's a liar. The Bible says of Jesus that he's full of grace and truth. He can't lie. God can't lie. Now, if I was the devil, I would convince the people of God, the sworn covenant people of God, to exchange their covenant for a contract, and then once they violated the contract I would go before God and say <clears throat> excuse me I'm a liar and you're the truth and based on your words they broke the contract they swore with me therefore I'm not going to kill them you got to kill them because you said the soul that sins shall surely die. You said it, God. Now, now, based on your word, you said the truth. You said that if the soul that sins shall surely die, and if they live by contract, they, you have to kill them. You said the wages of sin is... Now, you've got to kill your own kids because they're living their covenant. They've... they've They've sworn a covenant, but they exchanged the covenant for a contract. Yeah. 
They said, they said, I would try to compel you to live. I would, I would try to convince you that your righteousness has some merit in the game of your salvation. I would try to tell you that, that if you sin, then you're not promised the promises anymore. I would so try to do this to you that I would convince you to live by the law. I would try to convince you to live by the letter of the law, and I would bring condemnation instead of conviction. I would bring condemnation to your life, and every time you blow, you blow it, you, you, you mess up, I would remind you that you, you have forfeited the covenant of God over your life. So the power then of, your, and of our covenant is the word of God, right? It's the word. I want to share scripture with you now. The power, the strength of your covenant. I need you to understand this. So the strength of your covenant is God's word in your life. Here's what Matthew 24, 35 says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my... So, so the word of God is so strong that it's more powerful than heaven and earth. The word of God, his word is so strong. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He, he, he can't lie. John 1, 14. Now here's where I want, here's what I want you to focus on. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4.12 says this. The word of God is, what is it? The word of God is living. The word of God is living. I was going through the house the other day, and I went through a shelf in the house. And in that shelf, I, um, I, I, I discovered some old uh, cards that I had written my wife and she had stored them away. Before we were married, I would, uh, I would go to the Hallmark store, and they had this one specific uh, series of cards that I would get uh, uh, every, probably on the weekly, I would get these cards, and I would write uh, words to her of promises uh, of you know, our future. And so I would give them to her. And I found them. I'm like, oh, she kept them. That's all. That's cool. And, and, uh, and it's interesting that uh, uh, I, I, I hate wordy cards. I can't stand cards with long words. Like, you know, like the amplified version cards? Like I, I'm like, just, you know what I mean? Like, and then I, I, I look down at the bottom, and I'm writing all these, you know, these things. I'm like, man, I was... I was doing it like that. That's some good stuff. I stood there and went through them like that's that's amazing, you know. And uh, it, it, and she kept them. And it occurred to me in that moment that that the love letters that I wrote her, I became. 
And the Bible says of Jesus that his word of covenant to you, he's a love letter made flesh. That, that the, the Bible speaks the word. See, we, I want you to know today that this is not Jesus. Jesus became this. And until, until, like, there's nothing more dangerous than a believer who knows this but doesn't know this, Jesus in the flesh, Jesus as a person. There's nothing, there's nothing more destructive than a believer that knows the logos but not the person. Let me ask you something. Is, is Jesus only the word or has he become a real person for you? Is he somebody you speak to daily or is he just a, a morning devotional that you read through and say, oh, that was good. Until he becomes a love letter made flesh, your covenant will remain anemic. Because the power of God's covenant to you is his word. He swore by his word. What is his word? Jesus became flesh. The word of God is living. It's alive. He's not, he's not the logos. He's not the written. Jesus is alive. He is still alive. He lives forevermore. He is so alive that he's seated right beside the Father in heaven. And every time I pray, he makes intercession for me. He makes intercession for you. He interrupts all of hell's activities and he, and he goes to the Father and he says, I hear the prayers of my people because he is alive. He's, so the power of your covenant can only be as strong as your relationship to Jesus. How is your relationship with Jesus? Is it alive? Do you have a living relationship with Christ because here's the reality we cannot demand promises without relationship you have no right here's the thing I want you to hear hear me you have no right to the written promise unless you have a relationship with the promise who took flesh and dwelt among us your access to the written promise is only as strong as your relationship with the living promise. Yeah. But his promise to you, you see, before I was married, I wrote love letters to my wife. Once we were married, I became what I wrote. I had to actually do all of the stuff that I was, I was selling. You know, I was selling her a product. I'm like, baby, you are this, and I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to love you like this, and I'm, oh, this and that. You know, you know how it is, you know? And I was, I, was, I, was saying all of the, I was saying all the things. You know how it is when you say the things, right? I was saying all of the things, but once I put that ring on, saying had to stop and doing had to start. 
I had to actually become all of the words that I were writing on, the, on those cards. I, have to, I had to live them in reality. And I want you to know the power. The reason he says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never fail, is because he knows that, hey, he said, I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. I am the word of God that is alive and powerful. I pierce joint and marrow. I go to the heart of the matter. I can go where no surgeon's knife can go. I can go into the hardest of hearts, into the hatefulest of hateful people. I can go where no word of God can go. The God you serve, the God you're in covenant with, is the word made real. Secondly, the power of your covenant, the strength of your covenant will always be in the blood. This, this one's so rich that it, it deserves like part four, five, and six. So I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be really efficient here. Uh, I'm going to say this, but once again, I need you to understand. The covenant of blood is a covenant that once the blood is spilled, you can't unspill it. Once it's applied to your life, you can't unapply it. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the... Where's your life? Where's your life? Your life. Your life. The life you you want but don't know you want is found in the blood. Matthew 26, before Jesus leaves, he says this. This is the, this is my blood of the new covenant. He echoes what Jeremiah said. This is the blood of my new, this is my blood of the new, of new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The story of, of Exodus in the Bible. How many know the story of Passover? Know the story of Passover? The story of Passover is this, that God is about to deliver his people from Egypt. He sends Moses to Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, go tell them I'm about to kill all their firstborn. And if they, it's going down tonight. Go tell my people, though, to take a lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood of that lamb, and apply it to the doorpost of their house. And then, then what? Go in to the house. Apply the blood and go in to the house. They do it. The next morning, they wake up, the firstborn of, of Egypt, all of them dead. But those who went in, the, the blood, those who were covered by the blood were preserved. Obviously, we know that the lamb that was slain was, represented Jesus. We know that now. They didn't know that then. They didn't know that. The, there is a shelf life in the Old Testament, to the blood of goats and bulls. Watch this. On that night, there was a shelf life of about 12 hours. So the the covering of that blood only lasted about 12 hours. In In the Old Testament, again, David is bringing back the presence of, of God, and, he, and he, he determines 
Before, before this, he determines he, somebody died because they were carrying the presents unlawfully. He goes back and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Something has to die. We have to shed blood. They would take another six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Shed some more blood. So when, da- when David was carrying back, just it wasn't all of now, we all understand that it wasn't all of God in that box. Couldn't have been. Couldn't have been all of God in that box. So just the, the measured presence of God in a box required that blood be spilled every six steps. So the power of that blood only lasted six steps. Something else had to be spilled. The power of that blood covered sin. But the Bible says of Jesus that, let me read it for you. Let's go to, well, Hebrews 4.10, or Hebrews 10.4. For it's not possible that the blood of goats could take away sins. Hebrews uh, 9.7 through 9 says, but into the second part, now, now watch this, into the second part, the priest went alone once a year. So, so back then, there was a tent in the middle of wherever, and there was, there was parts of this tent, and once a year, so, the, so the, the, the shelf life of this blood was 24 hours. You had 24 hours to take a lamb, go in, kill the lamb, pour the blood out, and ask for forgiveness over the nation. Had 24 hours. It lasted. All of those bulls and goats represent... Jesus. Now, what I want you to to take away from this story is this. Jesus didn't cover your sin. He didn't cover you. The blood of bulls and goats covered your sin temporarily until Jesus showed up. The power of your covenant with Jesus is this. It's this. This is the power of your covenant with Jesus. I'm about to tell you a story. Now, as I tell you this story, what I want you to do is not judge me. All right? Because this is a terrible thing to do to your friends. I've asked Jesus to forgive me of this, so you can't be mad at me about this. You can't judge me about this. A couple friends. Elijah. I don't know how many in here know Elijah. Had Elijah with me. We pull up to the church, and my friend Josh, he was there. He was working for the church back in the day. But Josh was out working outside, and once again, this is this is an indication of some of the stuff that's inside of me. So immediately, uh, I says to Elijah as we're across the parking lot, I said, "Let's play a joke on Josh." I said, "Hey." Uh, Let's, what do you want to do? And he said, I don't know. What do you want to do? I said, oh, I got it. Let's tell Josh. Let's pull up and tell Josh that last night you caught your wife cheating on you and you killed the man. I said this. I know. It's terrible. I said, I said and you, 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 you killed the man that you caught her with, and now we got to hide the body. 
I told you you can't judge me, all right? I, can't, I told you you can't judge me, all right? You know what I mean? You can't judge me, all right? I, 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 I'm telling you, this is 100% true story. You could go confirm it. I'm, I'm in the truck. I pull up, roll down the window. I said, put it on, put it on, follow my lead, follow my lead. I didn't even give Elijah a chance to, to like not agree. I was like, we're doing this. We're doing this to Josh. I pull up, and I'm whew, serious. I pull, roll down the window. Down. Josh comes up. What's up? I said, hey, man, got a situation. And, and Elijah's over there like, he starts sweating. I'm like, man, dude, dude's putting it on pretty good. He, he starts sweating. He starts rubbing his eyes. It's like he's in anguish over there. I'll never, you know. And, and I said, I said, uh, Josh, listen, man, last night something happened. I need, I need, we need, I need your help. You can't tell nobody what we're about to do. He said, okay, what's up? I said, last night, Elijah caught Lincoln cheating on him. You know, he, he accidentally, did, he, he killed this guy. I swear before God, this is Josh's response to me. Where's the body? <laughs> you see, you see, some of the guys in the room is like, that's my dog right there. That's my dude. Like, what? Where's the body? Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, there was, there was a whole lot of, like, fear. At that moment, I was like, I was full of fear and pride all at the same time. I was like... I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I looked over at, I looked over at Elijah. I'm like, this dude asked us where the body was. I said, I said listen, man, we, we got to hide Elijah. He said, he said, cool, follow me. <laughs> no kidding. I get, we get out of the truck. We go, he takes, listen, he takes us in the church. He takes us in the church. We go in the church. He's like, and we, we, you know, we're behind him. And he gets in here. Stop, man, stop. I said, what? He said, hey, you got to go up against that wall. The camera's right there. Go like this. <laughs> I swear this is true. Me and Elijah are walking in like, man, this dude, I don't know if I feel safe right now. We get in there. We get in there. Elijah's still putting it on. He's like crying and everything. And Josh is like, listen, man, I know a place. Once again, I was like, this dude's heart don't pump Kool-Aid at all. Like, this, he has been here before. I am afraid, man. He said, he said these words. He said, I know, it's a trip, right? He said, he said, how are we going to cover the body? At that point, I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I was afraid I, he was about to incriminate himself. I didn't even want to be, I didn't want to know about it anymore. I just said, man, Josh, he's a cold dude, man. You was getting ready to cover up a crime that didn't even belong to you. And I want you to know that when Jesus spilled his blood, he covered up a crime that does not belong to you anymore. The blood, but I want you to know the power of Jesus' blood. The power of Jesus' blood doesn't cover you. It doesn't cover you. What it does is it cleanses you. 
it cleanses you of guilt and condemnation. It goes, it goes where uh, the blood on the exterior can't go. The blood of Jesus goes on the inside to your heart, and it cleanses all of the impurities of your heart. Josh was a cold dude, but let me tell you how cold Jesus was. Jesus actually took you all that you are guilty of. He took all of your transgressions, all of your sins, and he said, I did it. I did what you are, are, are still claiming. And, and a lot of us are still walking around claiming what we did. I want you to know that you no longer have claim to what happened. You have been set free. You are free indeed. That's the power of the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It goes, it goes on the inside, and it, it tells you on the inside, you're free. You know what free means? Free means like you're free on the outside, and you're free from yourself on the inside. You're free of the shame. You're free of the condemnation. You have been set free from all oppression. And I, what, I want you to, what I want you to do is stop claiming that sin. You didn't do it. Jesus did it. <gasps> don't say that. I'm just telling you the truth. You go before Jesus and you say, I, 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 I'm, I'm this guy, I'm that guy. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? The power of the blood is that powerful that it causes God to lose his memory. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus. It'll wash away sin, but it'll wash away the inside of you. Lastly, I close with this. The power... The sign of the covenant that you have with God, there will always be evidence on the outside of your covenant from the inside. Jesus wants to cut a covenant with you today. He wants, he wants a covenant. He doesn't want you living your life by a contract anymore that you think you can walk away from, that gives the enemy the right to come in and claim. You know, if, if you fail a contract, if you don't fulfill your obligation of a contract, do you know the other side has legal recourse? They can come back and they can sue you for damages. They have rights because you failed the contract. Now the other side of the contract has rights to come to take from you because you failed the contract. You know when Jesus cut a covenant with you? There's no performance anymore. There's no performing. There's no, there's no like, Jesus took away the loophole. You know, you're like, he, he, he's so loving that he took away your ability to manipulate him. I want you to know you're not smart enough to manipulate God. Jesus is so wise. He took the, the word. He became the word and says, now, I'll know if the word's in you or not based on your relationship with me. You, you're not allowed to claim it. I'll know if you have a living relationship with me or not. I'll know. I'll know if the blood has been applied. You see, the blood... The blood of Jesus only is a once and for all sacrifice. Listen to me now. It's a once and for all. He died 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he gave him. And when the Lamb of God was slain on the foundation of the world, it was done. When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. Now, what do we have to do? All we have to do, he died. He's a sacrifice. He's the covenant keeper. Even when we don't keep it, he's the covenant keeper. All we have to do is apply the blood. It's a one, he died once, but the application is forever. You have to keep, you, get, you got, the, if you've been around him, if you get in his presence, you get bloody. If you, if you get around him, the, his, his blood will get on you. You know, this, the old saints have this saying, we plead the blood. You, you ever hear that? We plead the blood. What they're saying is like, we take that blood that Jesus spilled in covenant and we, we, we throw it on the situation. We plead the blood. We, we put that blood. But I want you to know, like, I don't think it's theologically correct to plead it. You have to apply it. It has to be applied. To the doorpost of your heart to apply it. Every morning I gotta reapply it. I can't risk being outside. I can't, I gotta, he did it once, but I have to apply it often. I'm getting ready to go into something. Jesus, I I, I come right back into your presence. I come right back into your presence. Like, Jesus, oh, cleanse me with your blood. I apply it now. How do you apply it? A relationship with Jesus. Living relationship. You can't apply with you're not in relationship with. You have to be in relationship. He takes away all of the manipulation. He takes away all of our attempts to somehow fulfill it, but not live it. It's like, if you spend enough time with me, you'll know it's there. If you spend enough time with me, you'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you will not be shook. You spend enough time with me, the words of man, the deception, the words of man won't, 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 won't shake you at all because the blood speaks. The blood brings confidence. The blood brings freedom. The blood sets you free. Sets you free. When God cuts a covenant, though, here's what I want you to know. When he cuts a covenant, he always, the covenant that's cut on the inside always leaves a mark on the outside. He said, go with me as I close. Jeremiah 4. Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah, break up your fallow ground. Do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Take away the foreskin of your heart. Romans 2.29, here's what he says. But he is a Jew who is one on the inside. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter. Not in the contract, but in the spirit. When your heart is circumcised, when it's cut, 
When you get cut by God, when you cut covenant with God, all of a sudden, the law of the letter goes away, and there's a covenant now. It's a blood covenant by his word. It's sealed. He's a surgeon. He's a world-renowned surgeon. And there's a young man who's in his 40s. He had to have major surgery where they had to open him up. He was very nervous. He goes before the doctor and he tells the doctor, like, listen, I'm really, I'm really afraid. Like, I feel like, you know, I just don't know that I'm going to make it through. Can you, can you just give me some reassurance? And the doctor says, I've not lost one patient. I'm, I'm the best there is. This is the surgeon. I'm the best there is. I've not lost one patient. I promise you. He gives him his word. He says, I promise you. I promise you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you when it's finished. They're in the middle of the surgery. What's going on? They, they go to start the man's heart after the surgery. Nothing. Nothing. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Everyone, all the doctors in the room said, listen, I know. I know you don't want to quit, but you lost them. He said, no, I gave him my word. At that point, he reaches down, takes his hands, puts it into the man's chest, and he begins to massage his heart. He massages his heart. He gets down near his ear, and he says to the man, he says, I... I've done everything I can do. Now it's your turn. You got to do what only you can do. You have to live. And at that, the machine, boop, 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 came back to life. The Spirit of the Lord is saying right now, I've done everything I can do. Now it's your turn. You just have to receive the covenant. You just have to receive the covenant of God for your life. You receive it by receiving Christ. You receive it by living in relationship with Jesus. He's a, his, his, he is the word. He is alive. The strength of your covenant is found in your relationship with him. He, his blood is so powerful. So, it's so powerful. That it cleanses you from the inside. His blood is the strength of your covenant. His blood applied to you every day. Is the, is, that indicates the strength of your covenant. Your ability to lay hands on the sick and watch them get up. Your ability to speak prayers over your children and say they're going to fulfill every assignment. Your ability to touch and agree with your, mar- with your wife, your, your husband. It's, it's all contingent about your relationship with Jesus. His blood has to be applied. And once it is, once you agree to the covenant, it just takes agreement. So I, I'm in. I receive your word. I receive you, Jesus. Take your blood now. Cleanse me. Once that happens, I want you to know that once that blood is applied, there's always, there's always a mark in your flesh. That's what circumcision was. It was a sign to Abraham that was a mark in the flesh that said, you will know from this day forward that you are in a covenant with me. 
your flesh will be cut. And I want you to know, when you get in a relationship with Jesus, you'll know it's authentic. Why? Because he'll cut your flesh. He'll start, he'll start trimming back sin. He'll start trimming back, you know, the lifestyles that don't necessarily agree with it. He'll start cutting your flesh. Let's close. Come on, can you stand to your feet with me as we close? And so right now, I just want to encourage you with me to one more time, just kind of close your eyes, lift your hands toward heaven right now, and just ask Jesus to cut you in your heart. Jesus, cut us in our heart. Cut away the hardness that keeps us from relationship. Cut away the calluses that were created by circumstances and situations, by experiences in, in our lives. God, cut away the callousness of our heart. Humble us, God, but don't humiliate us. Bring us into your presence, God. We covenant with you from this day forward to live in a living, alive relationship. We give you permission, Jesus, to speak to us, to correct us, to perfect us, to strengthen, to heal the trauma of yesterday, God. We give you permission. Thank you that we are a covenant people. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Christians in the room are going to pray. It's a simple prayer. It's just this. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. I repent. Come into my heart. I ask you to come into my heart because that's where the issues of life flow from. And I ask you to make me brand new. Make me brand new. Take my life. Change this world with it. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Can you put your hands together for Jesus as we close? If you need prayer, altar ministers are open. We love you. We're praying for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being a part of our Sunday morning here at Church on the North Coast. God bless you.